0: I like when we are working through a really hard problem, the analogy of shoulder to shoulder. Hmm. But if we're, you know, and and I use that in therapy as well. Let's be shoulder to shoulder and look at this problem. And I like to use the example of Legos. Like, you know, we've got these blocks this way. And if we rotate it this way, how could we problem solve and do this together and compromise and put this here and there? But this isn't necessarily that kind of meeting. We're not necessarily deep diving into the problem. I know you are doing the best that you can right now. Your relationships matter to you. You are important. And yet over time, we get stuck. We get lost or we stop showing up as our true self. We get hung up on the stories we tell ourselves, the comparisons, or feeling like we are not good enough. I'm Not Your Shrink is a podcast aimed at helping you feel connected to yourself, to others, and to live a life that is in line with what matters most to you. I'm Dr. Tracy Dalglish, clinical psychologist and couples therapist. I bring you clinical knowledge and evidence-based research, experiences of sitting in the therapist chair, and being a wife and mother to talk about everyday issues we all face to help you change the dialogue in your life. Let's dive in. One of the most common complaints I receive is, we never talk about the hard stuff. Is this one of your experiences as well? What's the barrier for you and your partner to turn towards each other and have weekly meetings? For many, they say it's time. For others, it's not wanting to upset the other person. So I thought I would deep dive into this topic with my dear friend and colleague, Dr. Morgan Cutlett. Dr. Morgan is a relationship expert and owner of My Love Thinks. You probably already know her from her amazing Instagram space, at MyLoveThings, or from our collaborations together. We've done two really great boundary webinars that we've received so many great feedback pieces from. Go check them out. But also, if you haven't listened to Dr. Morgan yet, be sure to check out episode six in season two, where we talk all about the mental load. Let's go into today's episode. Thank you so much for joining me here on the podcast. I am so excited to sit down and have this conversation with you because this is something that you and I talk about in our community all the time, whether we're jumping on our stories and saying, here is a tool that you could be using, or whether it's through the podcasting work that we're doing, our membership spaces that we offer, the clients that we see in front of us. So I think this is going to be such an important conversation, but I always want to start with the first question of tell us three things about you. And I'm totally putting you on the spot. I did not <laughs> prepare are, you for that. No, these are the hardest questions for me, honestly. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, I need to make it interesting.
1: And I have nothing interesting going on right now. Three things about me. I'm from Ohio originally, and I live in Southern California now. I, second thing, married my high school sweetheart. We did not date the whole time. I feel like I lose some street cred if I'm like, I married my high school sweetheart and he's the only person I dated. So I always add the caveat. <laughs> we didn't date the whole time and we reconnected on MySpace, which is dating me. Dating back dating. in the day, right? Yes. I remember MySpace. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and third thing. So I'm a mom to two kids, Effie who is eight and Roy who's six and currently in the homeschooling world yes. right now and so that's been just like this whole new sort of identity shift
0: so yes yeah mm-hmm. absolutely <laughs> and while you're doing all of those things you're also managing a, an amazing business and mm-hmm. Instagram space and I know one of the big things you talk about is the mental load and how women and mothers can start changing that dynamic in a relationship. Absolutely. It's one of my favorite topics and we've we've
1: sat before many times and talked about it but it it's just such a real thing we're living it I know
0: both of us do all of us
1: women so I love talking about it.
0: I really had you in my mind this morning thinking about this, how we spent so much time training and working with couples and people in front of us. And then when we, I mean, you and I have similar stories of when we entered into motherhood, just not being prepared Mm -hmm. for the mental load and for all of the things that landed on us. And I know so many people can relate to that. Absolutely. I feel like it's its one of those things that
1: dramatically shifts right overnight Right. It's like it's one day. I mean, before kids, I think women carry the majority of the mental load and then you have kids and it's like overnight, you've completely added a whole array of responsibilities, anxieties and worries
0: and tasks. And so it's such a massive shift. It's amplified. Absolutely. And the conversation we're having today is one of the tools that people can start to use and put into place in their relationship. And to come to think of it, you know, I know many people, even in the early stages of dating, don't do this kind of thing. Mm. And that is doing this kind of weekly check-in of being able to touch base and talk about how things are going in your relationship.
1: Yeah, I think that, you know, I wrote down just a few notes before we hopped on and, and one of them was, well, you know, why should you do these meetings? And since we're talking mm-hmm. about the, the mental load, you know, one of the most compelling, and there's lots of compelling reasons why we should have these meetings, but is because it is one thing you can offload. You now, research mm. tells us that women tend to be the managers of all of our relationships. And so we're the ones typically who are like, hey, I think we need a date night or we're the ones that we need to talk about something. And and so to just have something on the schedule that it's not just the woman's responsibility, it's a shared line item on the schedule immediately takes something really massive off of her plate.
0: And it's this idea of instead of waiting by the side, right? Because I know that for a lot of us, and this is something that I experience in my own relationship, I'll say things like, well, if he planned the meeting, if he planned the date night, then. I'm important, then I actually mean something to him, right? Like how often we get into these thinking patterns that trap us into these beliefs of, if I was truly important, you would plan this stuff. Hmm. But then, or you would do the things, right? If if I was truly important, you would remember to pick the socks up off the floor or you would plan (laughs) the date night, whatever that is. But then this allows us in a way to just have something so solid in the relationship where we don't have to think about it. We don't have to be the initiators. It truly is a, okay, so this is Sunday night. This is when we have that time to sit down and talk about it, but there's so many barriers and objections to this Mm -hmm. around getting to this meeting.
1: Yeah. So, so I have some thoughts about that. I think one more thing I want to say to what you were just talking about is that when you have the meeting, it sort of like quenches that thirst, that, if they cared about me, they would do these things. That usually is something that builds over time, right? That's not like an immediate thought that you wake up with. It's like, oh, there's like all these little things that aren't happening that kind of lead to this sort of shift in our attitude toward our partner and this desire for them to initiate care of us or whatever it might be. And so when you touch base regularly... You sort of like fulfilling that need over time, which then lessens that mentality, kind of helps to clean out your attitude towards your partner. And so there's lots of reasons why they're good to have, but that's another one yeah that's really big that we don't you know we don't think about that that often, but that's a really big thing to remove from your headspace in your
0: relationship. I'm really thinking about mm. attachment styles, right? Mm. So if we think about someone who is more avoidant in their attachment style, that they're not typically going to be someone who is going inside and saying, Hmm, there's this big feeling right now yes. and I need to talk about this with my partner, they're going to keep it inside. Yes. And that leaves the other person, if the other person is more of an anxious attachment style, to then wonder, where's my partner? What's going on with them? Yeah. And that create, and I really like how you said that, that quenches the thirst to have this kind of connection, this touch point of seeing what's inside of you. Where are we right now? Mm-hmm. And it, it can really help to draw out that person from more of that avoidance space. And I'm just thinking, we'll talk about like some key elements around that, but, um, you know, such, such an important like pausing in our relationship to make space for both people, for both mm-hmm. of their realities. Yeah. I think so many of us can remember those early days in our relationship where we felt excited to see each other, that our touch points happened more frequently and our moods didn't impact each other so much. And now over time, things have changed Did you know that learning to compromise is a skill, that knowing your attachment style is important to understand how you connect and what you need, and that sharing core emotions and needs is something we tend not to do in our relationship. When you join me in my online program, Be Connected, I teach you how to do these things and resolve conflict so you can look at each other and say, we've got this. So you can bring up hard topics and trust that you won't get lost in a big fight and so that you can drop the resentment to feel close and connected with your partner Head over to drtracyt.com to join me in my online program, Be Connected, to start making changes in your relationship today.
1: I can just keep talking about this because you keep stirring up. <laughs> go, go, we're keep talking not, about it. But I think like what you're saying, so if we're talking about the, the avoidant and the anxious or just any sort of pairing in a relationship, when you don't have these touch points and you have one partner who's like, holding on to something they need to talk about, but it's just not their tendency. And then you have the other who's anxiously wondering what's going on with their partner. If these things, these connections and touch points or meetings never happen, um, that dynamic deepens. It becomes Mm. kind of like a thread woven through the relationship. And over time, what happens is these little vulnerabilities start to develop that then start to become so deep. And before you know it, you know, years are, or a really long time has passed before you've actually dealt with some of these things. And now they're big things. Now you Right. Have They've become um, big things. Yes. Like in a way that my, my dad often describes this pattern of, of these small leaks, either will lead to a flat relationship or a big blowout. And so these touch points help to really
0: mitigate some of these things from happening. Right right? It's the resentment piece. I'm thinking about even yeah. just the natural flow of our mm-hmm. relationships, right? In the sense of, in the honeymoon stage, you don't necessarily feel those things, right? If I think of those early days of my relationship, I didn't have the if then statements in my mind. Mm-hmm. I could see all that <laughs> my partner was doing for me, right? Like I could feel special and important because of course we're courting each other. That's what you yeah. do. But then you add in like six months, a year, the two-year mark, right? Something mm-hmm. tricky about a two-year mark where you start to settle in and these things start to build and of course you know in our own relationship we didn't have a weekly check-in and so I can remember feeling like am I even important here do I matter in this like what what's going on in our relationship and that's not really you know, truthfully back then not really knowing what to do with that yeah. because we didn't make it a regular thing to have as part of our relationship tune up, really Support for today's episode comes from Cozy Earth. You know I am all about caring for ourselves, especially in these busy years with our young kids. We are pulled in so many directions, but I think it's so important for us to find ways to nurture ourselves that require no additional time from us. I should probably let you in on one of my favorite things to do to look after me, and that is to get a good night's sleep on amazing sheets. I am beyond thrilled to bring you Cozy Earth's luxurious bedding products with an exclusive Mother's Day offer just for my listeners. We've got a code. It's SHRINK, S-H-R-I-N-K, for 35% off at CozyEarth.com. Now, I didn't believe it until I tried them, but I firmly stand by my sleep improving with the temperature regulating technology, which adapts to your body's needs. For the past year, I have not slept on any other brand of sheets. Cozy Earth uses the very best fabrics, materials, and wares, offering superior softness for you to sink into at the end of those long days. I look forward to getting into bed, and we've been loving the sheets for over a year and their sleepwear is so unbelievably soft and it's made with such great quality but the best part is that if you're worried about commitment enjoy a 100 night sleep trial and a 10 year warranty on all of your purchases head over to cozyearth.com and use promo code shrink for an exclusive 35% off and give the luxury she deserves with cozy earth Support for today's episode comes from ZocDoc. We all know there are things in life we have to compromise on, like the right way to load a dishwasher, or whether those socks are going to stay on the floor for a week. Okay, in all seriousness, but when it comes to your mental health, there is no compromise. So we don't need to go back to that one therapist or one physician who didn't align with what we need just because they're available right now. We don't need to compromise on the care we need for our overall wellness. Instead, this is where ZocDoc comes in. This is a place where you can find and book hundreds of types of doctors, including therapists, psychologists, and psychiatrists. And you can find someone who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and prioritize your well-being. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare hundreds of types of patient-reviewed in-network doctors, including mental health providers, and instantly book appointments with them online. You can search by location, availability, and insurance. Go to ZocDoc.com slash I-N-Y-S and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. If I needed this app, this is one that I would be going to. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash I-N-Y-S and get the care that you need today. Support for today's episode comes from Loop Earplugs. For so long after having children, I kept wondering why I was easily overwhelmed and felt like an angry mom. The noise from the kids, the dog barking, and the sounds around me from everyday life. But I now understand that I'm not an angry mom, and instead, my nervous system gets overwhelmed and overstimulated, which is why I've been turning more and more to my loop earplugs to help me stay more regulated and engaged with the family. I'm using loop engage to help dampen the sound around me and these loop earplugs allow me to still be with every beat and conversation i still hear greg i can still hear the kids i love that they are so comfortable and they come with eight silicone ear tips to ensure the right fit for you times Dr. Tracy for 10% off your order. That's L-O-O-P-X-D-R-T-R-A-C-Y for 10% off your order.
1: Yes. Okay. So we want to talk about objections because you hit on one. So you know how I, I always make like categories. So I made categories. I love I your why. categories. <laughs> it's just like I don't know why I have my obsession with creating categories. <laughs> so I made four categories of why i's, what I see in terms of aj- objections. And the first one you talked about, which is a lack of know-how. Yeah. I think some of us are just like, what do we talk about during this right. check-in? I'm worried we don't have the skills to navigate the check-in. Mm. What are other rules? Like, what do we do? Is it, is it the shit different? I do list and the shit you don't do list? Yes, that's what I think. Yeah, that's the other, another objection. Yeah, like, do we just come and sit and complain at each other about all right. the things that you're not doing or I'm not doing? And so... Yeah,
0: because um, the, the belief is, and I know the objection from the other partner is often me, well, I don't want this to just be like, this is just going to be you complaining. You're just going to offload on me. And this is yes. going to be productive.
1: Yes. So that's another one. So lack of know-how, and then one is fear, or I guess it could be almost like a lack of hope. And I think part of the fear is that what you just said, we're going to sit and you're going to complain at me. I think another is that it's going to just always turn into an argument. That, or, that's a big one.
0: I, and I don't want to upset my partner. Yes. Or, yeah.
1: Right? Yes. Like, or My partner's unwilling. I think it's another big one mm-hmm. that comes up or that this meaning, it's not going to actually change anything.
0: Like we're just right. going to spin yeah. our wheels which is so important to recognize that, you know, this idea that if we go into this, we're just going to spin our wheels and nothing good is going to come out of it. And I think when it comes, you and I both talk about this around making choices, around making conscious choices in our relationships that yes, you can enter into this meeting and decide to do the shit you don't do list. And you have to understand it's not going to get you anywhere. And it works the opposite in terms of what you are hoping it to do. So you're just going to spin out in your negative cycle and escalate and be more mad at each other. But if you go into that conversation being open and curious and both agreeing what type of conversation this is, you can navigate what that road looks like. And yes. also to using the skills that you and I both teach people, how to navigate out of defensiveness, how to navigate out of criticisms, right? But sometimes they show up because we're human, but just because they show up doesn't mean you have to respond to it by upping the exactly. ante even more. Exactly.
1: And I think that you know, for a couple who's kind of considering implementing these into their relationships, one of the first meetings, the one goal should be for it to go well. Like that first meeting, just go into it with like, maybe we cover some surface stuff, but like let's start a track record of them going well. Because if you sit down and you have one and you enter into this defensiveness or it ends up in a huge fight, um, the chances that a second is happening is like zero.
0: So then going into mm-hmm. it, if you're already saying we need to meet, we need a weekly meeting and you go in and you're hot, yeah. you're not going to go anywhere versus, yeah we're going to put this into place as we're having our cup of coffee and we're going to share something that we really admire about the other person. Right. So that's like, that is that kind of, I love the analogy of the foundation, right? Your Mm dad's saying the cracks, but the like patching it and building the foundation of your house. Yeah. How important that is that you could start to do that when you say, this is something I like about you or sharing that memory of, do you remember that time when we went and did the thing and, right? Yes. What was the fourth barrier that you said? Okay. So I have
1: lack of know-how. I wrapped fear and lack of hope into one. I think one is logistics. So there's four. Yeah. So this is number three, tired. We don't have the time. Life is busy. Right. Right. Oh, logistics. Of sort of logistical stuff is often an excuse. And then the last one is just like these beliefs that we hold. So I think there's a belief that a lot of people hold that relationships shouldn't take this much work. You know, I'm thinking about even my husband's, he's upstairs, he's on Zoom meetings all day today. If I were to come to him and say, we need to have a meeting, he'd be like, I've been in meetings all day. This is my safe relationship space. Like, I shouldn't have to talk. I mean, he wouldn't, but on the right day, he would. But you know what I'm saying? This idea that, like, I do the work outside i don't want to do it here and i don't think relationships should take work and i think there's this other belief that that almost like love and it's an intuitive thing it's a it's a feeling thing it's this i don't want to manage it like a business Mm. meeting you get a lot of i think pushback sometimes on what
0: like a business meeting it's like yeah kind of Because when you find the one, you Mm -hmm. will just know and you will always be happy. And it's rainbow and sunshine. How's that going for you, right? Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Right, exactly. Yeah. You know, that was something that my husband really had to, when we were dating, really had to learn to navigate. And it was hard for him to see that actually when we fight, it is, it can be a healthy thing and something that eventually brings us closer together, that it's not a, our relationship is doomed or it's going to end, but rather we're airing out the stuff that's inside of us. And that comes from a lot of what we learned growing up, right? Mm -hmm. Where You know, that number one question I love asking my clients is, what did you learn about relationships watching your parents? And a lot of people say they never fought. Or, well, one would blow up in anger and walk away. And so I learned, oh, God, don't bring anything up, right? Yes. Yes.
1: I still relate to what you're saying. I feel like sometimes there's like this um, hurdle to overcome before introducing these meetings. and, And it's just what you're talking about, which is, when you talk about your relationship, it doesn't necessarily mean that something's wrong with your mm. relationship. And it definitely mm-hmm. doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. That to That's sort a big of one. Normalize the need to talk about relationships because they don't run themselves, Yeah, right? Life interrupts us. We change, we grow. Like this is a normal thing to talk about. And once both partners can sort of get, get the buy-in behind that need to talk about their relationship. And it's, and it's, and it's a neutral thing. Like, it's like, doesn't mean mm-hmm. I think you're a bad partner because we're talking about this. We're just going to talk about it because we have to manage our relationships. And I think it's like when we think if you have kids and you think about how much you manage your relationships with your kids, it's shocking that we would ever try to convince ourselves. We don't have to
0: manage our relationships with our partner. You know, it, can I press out one more further? I almost want to say it's shocking that we have to manage our relationship with ourselves. And I'm thinking about even the concept of like prioritizing time for yourself. Yeah. Oh, right. The the same thing we say, and and I know I do this. If I'm at the office all day, I'm like, I got to go home and be with my kids. And I plan it. I plan that out. I I will spend that time with my kids. I'll be with them all until they fall asleep because I want to make up for that time. But where did I plan time for my relationship and where did I plan time for myself?
1: Yeah. And I think a lot, I think that what you're saying is so right on. And I think that people don't often think that we have a relationship with ourselves, even though Mm -hmm. we're managing it all the time. Managing how we use our time, managing our energy, managing our emotions, how we think about ourselves, how we exercise and care for our, you know, all these things. So to sort of just then cut out our romantic relationship and be like, well, this one's good. This one's fine on its own. It's ridiculous, really. And so, yes. But sometimes we have to have that conversation with our partners to kind of tease that out, And really hone in on, we do need to manage this. It's important. And it won't run itself. And if we allow it to run
0: itself, it will likely run itself into a really unhappy and resentful place. Running on fumes, of course. There's that that belief that I know so many people will say, and I'm sure you get this in your DMs and in your community as well. But it's this theme of, I don't want to upset them. Mm -hmm. Or the conversation should go smoothly and end well. And I've noticed from so many comments from people that they're looking for the right thing to be able to say. Mm -hmm. Um, I was mulling this over recently. I I had a question from someone around, you know, what should I do in this situation? And I, I, I found in my mind wanting to go to what's the right, what's the right way, What's the right way? Like, how do you navigate that? And and the truth really is, it depends, right? With the specific question, the answer is it depends, as it does in most of our relationships. And and I think that we almost have to sit with that a little bit in a way of sitting in uncertainty that you can have these meetings and you might have days where you're not feeling connected. You might not come out of it feeling all close and warm, but that you've still had the meeting to the mm-hmm. dedication to offload some of this stuff, right? Because then you have to ask yourself, well, what's the, what's the long-term cost of not talking about any of this? Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, which is really high. I think the cost is very high. I think I'm always trying to find the right answer. So <laughs> I really feel that <laughs> so deeply. I'm like, let me try to wordsmith this. Maybe we can get it. <laughs> and I think that sometimes in our relationships, we get really... Um, can drive ourselves crazy thinking like, mm-hmm. I just would have phrased this the right way. I think that this talk would have gone a lot smoother. I, so to give some practical pieces, I do, I think that you have to, I guess, go into it with an expectation that sometimes the meeting might not go quite as planned. It's not going to be perfect every time. There might be some hiccups. Um, but one, can you commit to continuing? I do Um. think that first one, you really got to try to make it go well. But I do think that there are some sort of like structural things or agreements you can have before you start these meetings that can try to just prevent some of these things from happening. Like I think one is um, don't have a long meeting have a pretty concise meeting, like 20 minutes, set the timer. You have to, because that that in and of itself will prevent you from going down all these rabbit holes and getting into the weeds on who did what and who did this. And so some of these structural pieces can help prevent that. I think another is you don't have to hash everything out in these meetings. Sometimes you can just introduce the need to come back to something and then you set another time to talk about that. So it can be just, you know, I felt like a little deficit in this area. I don't want to get into it, but can we schedule a time to talk about it? And then let's keep
0: moving through our meeting. I think so. So it's like planting the seed instead of going, instead of using the meeting as a deep dive, right? Because the meeting is not necessarily meant to be a deep dive, but it can be the opening of a window. Yeah. Yes.
1: Yes. Yes, Of course. I see a meeting as almost like, let's have an agenda here. So I guess that's what I'm talking about. Have some ground rules, have an agenda. If you work in business or most most jobs, you have this sort of structure Mm. to a meeting, bring it home. And part of it is it's short. Part of it is we don't need to deep dive. We need to touch base on certain things. And I think another piece is always end your meeting With an expression of affection, vocal affection, um, gratitude, appreciation, and then even like a hug or a kiss or Mm -hmm. something like that. So it sort of wraps it up nicely and ends on a good
0: note. Let's talk about the posturing. You know, I'm thinking how important our body language is. Mm -hmm. And is it that? You sit and I can kind of come up with different scenarios on this one. Do you sit side by side, like the Seinfeld episode where at the bar? <laughs> laying down. Are they side? You, you side? by side at the dining room table? Are you mm-hmm. sitting on the couch? Are you face to face on the dining room table? If you if you could kind of picture up what would be the ideal like set for it. Oh, okay. So if I painted a picture of the ideal, I would say mm-hmm. it would be like on a
1: sectional. With sitting so you can face each other with, like, lean back and comfortable and your feet up on an ottoman. Like, that's, like, my ideal mm. vision. I mean, uh-huh. a table, I guess some people might prefer a table that feels uh-huh. that feels hard and uncomfortable to me. So, I mean, with a snack and, like, a yeah. cup of tea or wine or whatever your preferred beverage is, just kind of, like, we're, let's settle in. Let's take a deep breath. Like, let's touch base with each other. How are we doing? Like, how are you? What's going on in your week? And sort of that's more comfortable... Setting and no
0: distractions, right? Turn the TV oh, off, gosh right? turn you, Put your phone away. <laughs> put your phone away. Don't, not even an arm's reach, right? Because there's nothing worse than being the conversation. And I know, I know, I do this where we'll be talking about something, and then uh, the desire to know the answer will bother <laughs> me so much that I, that I will grab my phone, be like, I'll just look it up, and then before I know it, my impulse has clicked everywhere else which is a human response, but yes. agree to put the phone somewhere else, agree to the amount of time. And that's kind of the structuring of this, right? Yes. Um, and then by having those agreements, we're avoiding those conversations of, oh, well, you just went on your phone or, oh, you're distracted oh, or, oh, you're not yes. listening, right? Which, which again, doesn't really set that up. Yeah, I, I have to say, I think the, and this is all a personal choice, which is why I really wanted to ask you that question. I like when we are working through a really hard problem, the analogy of shoulder to shoulder. Hmm. But if we're, you know, and, and I use that in therapy as well. Let's be shoulder to shoulder and look at this problem. And I like to use the example of Legos. Like, you know, we've got these blocks this way. And if we rotate it this way, how could we problem solve and do this together and compromise and put this here and there? But this isn't necessarily that kind of meeting. We're not necessarily deep diving into the problem. Mm-hmm. And then face-to-face over the coffee table, Reminds me of the analogy like playing ping pong and how, or, t- or tennis or volleyball, how easy it is to receive something across the table, mm-hmm. point the finger back at your partner, or like volley the ball back. Like, oh, you think I'm being critical? Boop, here's the ball back to you, yes. which then doesn't allow for that collaborative, open receiving and curious, curious space.
1: Yes, yes. I 100% agree. So I know I'm thinking of the last time Chad and I had one. Uh You want to talk about this? I'm like, oh, we had it outside by a fire. And it was nice. nice. It was, I I don't think these, even though I did say you do them at work, do it at home and I'm totally fine if you are, or somebody says, it's like a business meeting. Sure it is. Who cares? Like you should still do it. It's important. So even though I'm kind of leaning into that, I guess I'm also saying, but it can be nice and comfortable and enjoyable. And if you get good at these you'll walk away feeling so good in your relationship and you will be mm-hmm. on top of so many things that could potentially have caused massive issues and arguments and they just don't happen as much. And so I just think it's fine to have, to have a comfy space when you do it. <laughs> I think one other thing too, and the, co- the sitting across a kitchen table or a coffee table kind of brings up this imagery for me, but I said, try to have some structure I think you can even come up with some rules of engagement, almost like these are things that are off limits during our meetings. Mm -hmm. But I think too, in the beginning, it can be kind of mechanical. Like it might be weird and awkward. And I think just like when you're learning a skill, when you play a sport, like you might stand at the free throw line and shoot 5,000 free throws and it's Mm -hmm. mechanical. And all of a sudden it just becomes automatic. And so I think like, Prepare for a little bit of that adjustment period
0: too. (laughs) I remember one couple had actually, when they started dating, must have been within the first month, had that conversation of saying, let's find a way to check in with each other. Mm -hmm. What kinds of questions could we ask each other? And so they would have the three standard questions each meeting, which helped it to be non-threatening, routine, and informational, right? So I'm giving information and making sure that the question is not just an airing out your grievances. It is the, you know, did I, where was a time where you needed more support this week, but also a how did you feel about the level of support I gave you, right? So being able to have both of those. I'm thinking about this other piece here that when it comes to giving feedback in our relationship, one of the biggest things that shows up really is around that fusion and that you know, loss of self into something that when someone says something, it becomes very personal about you. And I think when it comes to having this weekly meeting or a relationship check-in, it is about putting your stuff on the side for yeah. a little bit and being able to hear what the other person is saying. And, and of course, that, that comes wrapped up into the communication piece that you and I teach our clients is that in the sense of let's approach conversations non-critically, non-defensively, and how can you communicate your feelings and needs, right? But how important it is that even if your partner gets into a little bit of that criticism, that you can say, I'm not going to take this personally.
1: Yeah.
0: We can find what's happening here without taking it personal.
1: Yeah. Life is better when you take less things personally <laughs> and your relationship yes. will be oh, infinitely, goodness. infinitely better if you can take less things personally. Mm-hmm. And I right.
0: think,
1: you know, part of your like meetings before, like your pre-meeting prep or something, when you're talking about, okay, maybe you do come up with some questions. In our couples course, we actually give an agenda for these meetings, but if you come up with your own agenda, that works too. And- you know, part of your prep before you begin these meetings can be what, what do we want to like leave these meetings feeling? And so what is the attitude we want to bring into them? Mm -hmm. And, and like sort of saying, okay, I agree to bring in an attitude of openness and like, this is to better our relationship, to prevent resentments. And so we're going to sometimes hear hard things, but we're going to sort of agree to approach them in a particular way can be Helpful doesn't mean that you're perfectly protected from that happening, but it's nice to at least discuss it beforehand.
0: Yes. Yeah, that's important. Okay. Do you do the weekly meeting?
1: No. Mm. And, and neither do we. We, it's we don't It's on do. my calendar. <laughs> <laughs> monthly. For us, they're monthly. <laughs> I get an alert every month. <laughs> Marriage meeting. <laughs> Tell me why you guys don't
0: we don't have it scheduled because we have become good intentional communicators yes and really when i thought about us sitting together and i have to confess this to you that we do not do it each week it is because we have and and you know maybe that's actually not giving credit to to our relationship because we do have check-in points frequently but because we're we're not that we're so good at doing it, but because we're practiced at doing it, Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to feel so formal that we can enter into a space of, Hey, can we talk about something that's happening between us? Mm -hmm. Um, We do the sharing words of something we appreciate about each other. We intentionally spend, You know, sometimes it's 20 minutes in bed with no devices on. We might plan to watch TV after or we might not, but we'll spend that time talking. So sometimes I'll get home late from the office, the kid's are already in bed, and we'll have that time there. Or we do the whole rigmarole of kids in bed, out of bed, in bed. And then we'll have a (laughs) little bit of energy left and we'll do it then, right? But so it's this ongoing... I guess the door is really open that we we do feel we're able to do that. So we haven't had to in this season of our relationship, Mm -hmm. but certainly when I think back to some of the harder moments in our relationship, we certainly could have benefited more from doing a regular check-in meeting.
1: Yeah. I think my answer is very similar as to why we don't, I think. So there have been times in our marriage where we did early on during harder seasons and, I feel like we wrestled with a lot of the the things that people kind of have as their objections. You know, I know our one, I left and I was like, that was awesome. And then we talked about it maybe a couple weeks later. And Chad's like, oh my gosh, we had that big fight that night. And I was uh, like, that was a fight. That was great. Like I thought we were... <laughs> But I can handle a different level of spiciness than he can. So we're just... So we had to like kind of struggle through and find a better better rhythm. But I think it really goes to what you're saying. When you become really... Like when it becomes integrated into how you operate as a couple, the formality of it is less necessary. Uh So if we did them still, I think it would benefit our relationship. I think Uh it's always a good idea. But... We touch base multiple times a day, honestly. You know, and I think part of the meetings is talking about the logistics of life, like schedules and what's coming up. Um, That's something we talk about every day. In terms of, like, uh, how we divide responsibilities, that's something we talk about weekly. So I think it's just sort of the rhythm of our life
0: involves frequently checking in with each other, so... Yeah. So in a sense of it's using these skills that we talk about and we already have put them in place. Yeah. It right? doesn't mean that conflict doesn't come up. It just means that we've already been using these tools so that not just for us, but our partners are also familiar and ready to enter into these conversations um, yes. so that it doesn't have to be a formal scheduled meeting. Yeah. And you know, I, I definitely have to say, I'll give my husband credit because he's getting better at being able to say, I need your attention and like, I need to Mm -hmm. talk to you about this. Mm -hmm. And that, that's been a huge shift for him to be able to do that versus earlier on in our relationship when he would push things away and then not tell me. So that, like, that's kind of this evolution of how we've grown together.
1: Yeah. And if, if Greg had not learned to do that, these meetings would be so important to give him the space to finally bring some of these things up, but because he has, it becomes less, less
0: necessary. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So what would be your top one or two questions that mm-hmm. you would put in to this kind of meeting?
1: Yeah. You you said one. So I think one of them would be what is something that you need more of from me? Yes. I think our needs are always changing. Like mm-hmm. Moment to moment, they change. Day to the day, they change. And a lot of times what happens is we don't Keep up with that and uh, up with our partners' changing needs. And so um, they go unmet. So ask that question. And also, when you say more of versus something that I'm just not doing at all, I feel like that can alleviate some of the pushback. Mm-hmm. Uh, and defensiveness doesn't feel like you, a lot of times people respond to needs of, well, I do do that. You know, I'm just like, yeah, just a little bit more. So I think that's one. Another I like, a chat asks me this. All the time. And it's one of my favorite questions. And it's just, what is on your plate either today or what is on your plate this week? And it allows him to enter into my world to understand what I have going on and also provides him with an opportunity to say, I can handle that piece of it. I can take this off. And he's really good at that. And just Mm. that one
0: question alone packs a
1: lot of punch.
0: It really does. It, it says, mm-hmm. I have, I'm have. i thinking about you and I'm aware of what you could be experiencing and how maybe I could play a role in that, right? There's just so much in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll add to that. What, what Greg has started to do is he will ask that. And then he'll also ask, how are you feeling about this coming up? Mm-hmm. That's nice. So, it's adding that, like, I want to know the inside piece of you mm-hmm. and I, I've actually thought about you in my mind and then took the time to vocalize that and put it to words and then carve mm-hmm. out space. I'm going to hear your answer mm-hmm. and then I'm going to follow up with it later. Right. So it's yes. something, it's something so simple, but it's enough to say, I thought about you yeah. and that's really important. I love I, that. Uh, mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Cause he,
1: then I, he gets to know you on a deeper yeah. level, Right. And right. feeling known is
0: um, it feels good. It does feel good. I cut you off. Go ahead. Oh, that's okay. I was just going to add that I, I really like having this conversation around this appreciation or gratitude. It's something we're doing with our kids at dinner time, mm-hmm. um, and sometimes it might even be like, "What are you grateful for today?" I'm grateful for the hot chocolate, right? With yeah, pizza. Yeah, pizza. <laughs> <laughs> pizza. But for us to really be able to model that to them, and so that they can start. I mean. Of course, they're kids, right? They sit down. They're like, we didn't want this for dinner. Yes. So I'm coming over saying, oh, I'm so grateful that we're having this for dinner. <laughs> I'm so grateful for warm food the table. But that that gratitude and appreciation goes a really long way. And And then what it helps me to do and practice during the week is that when I'm having one of those moments where I'm feeling triggered or irritated or angered by the socks on the floor mm-hmm. or by something, right? And I can tap into that and say, right, you know, I'm so grateful that I had this experience or Mm -hmm. I appreciate that Greg's been doing the drop off or whatever that looks like.
1: Yeah. I think it's crazy how it's just such a like a human element, I guess, that's kind of sad, which is how we can so easily focus on the negative and not... We have to work to focus on what we're appreciative of. And I don't... I I hate that we're wired this way, but we are. And so we have to... For survival, right? Yes. Yeah. We we have to put effort into this. And I think that if we really sit back and ask ourselves the question of, you know, in what ways is my life better because of my partner? Mm -hmm. There are all sorts of ways that our lives are enhanced, that we um, are blessed in all these ways by our partners. And so being able to shift our focus and think about that, being able to say that to them is really, really powerful and does such a good job of making you feel connected and seen and valued in your relationship.
0: So for everybody listening, now your task this week is to go and schedule a weekly meeting, (laughs) define the parameters, get your partner on board, and initiate this conversation. I think that this, this conversation is going to be helpful for so many people just to be able to kind of access into, you know, what are my barriers? Why does this trip me up so much? And how can we do this together? So it's not another thing on my load, but rather a connection builder. Yes. So... I loved having this conversation with you. Thank you. Me too. Thank you so much for being here, Morgan. Before
1: we go, where can people find you? Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram at mylovethinks or the blog mylovethinks.com. And I'll put all the links in the show notes. Thanks so much, Morgan. Thank Thank you.
0: I think what stands out for me from our conversation is that Dr. Morgan really emphasizes the need to have regular touch points in our relationship and that this isn't meant to be another thing on your to-do list or to create more burden in your relationship, but to somehow to start making those small pieces of moving towards each other as part of a regular practice in your relationship. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I would love to hear from you. Leave me a review on iTunes or send me a DM and let me know if you listened to today's episode. Until next time, remember that you are right where you need to be. Remember, this podcast is for informational purposes only and does not substitute for the care from a licensed mental health care provider. What's up, guys? I'm Gabrielle Stone, host
1: of FML Talk. After being love-bombed, married, and cheated on, trust me, I've got some perspective on love, heartbreak, trauma, and healing. FML Talk has become weekly therapy for my listeners, where I give you a safe space to heal with, of
0: course, a few F-bombs thrown in